0: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. We have another special guest for you tonight, the host of Two Riders Slinging Yang and the author of The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson, Mr. Jeff Perlman. Jeff, thanks for coming on.
1: Of course, my pleasure.
0: So I heard I heard your name when I was listening to that Wesley Bostock uh, podcast oh, yeah. i think i was traveling back from houston or something and i heard your name and i told my wife message that guy and 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 you said well i don't I don't really remember anything about it but but we kept in touch and then the i saw the bo jackson book come out i was like well, let's talk about that that's baseball
1: i'm happy to talk about it i'm happy to talk about wait can i make a houston astros uh, connection real quick yeah one of my favorite moments of a boy, of my childhood, well, two things. My my name is Jeffrey Robert, and I used to sign in like elementary school J.R. Pearlman because of J.R. Richard, who I freaking loved. Uh, And number two is one of my favorite movie moments as a kid is the Bad News Bears playing in the Astrodome, and Cesar Cedeno and Bob Watson enter the dugout, and the coach goes out and leads the "Let Them Play" chant in the Astrodome. And even then, even as a young boy, the Astrodome looked dumpy. <laughs> really?
2: There,
1: oh my God. It was such a, such a, I remember covering games there and being like, oh my God, this is the Astrodome. Like, what? You have such a beautiful stadium now. You know, the Astrodome was, it was something, you
0: know? Yeah. It, yeah. it was, it was cool to be able to go to it. Of course. Of course. Yeah. So I have a question for you. All right. In the podcast, two riders, sling and yang, what does that mean? I'm not a writer and I don't know what that means.
1: That's okay. It's basically two writers, the, uh, the term "singing Yang" means talking shit, so oh, okay. uh, it's kind of a hip hop uh, term. So uh, I made it two writers
0: singing Yang. Yeah, I listened to one episode, and it was you and your wife. Yeah, well, that was our, it was like, like you're laying in bed or something. Yeah, we were laying in, bed. in fact in the bed. I'm sitting in right now. <laughs> yeah, that's it.
1: Um, well, she's written a bunch of books, so it was two writers singing Yang in bed.
0: Oh, there you go. Yep. All right, so you wrote nine books. This is correct me if I'm wrong. This is just what I'm getting about Sorry. football, baseball, basketball and then also something you're kind of known for is that John Rocker interview. In Sports I did write a book. About that, but I did no, write a No, but you book. you wrote in the 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 uh the interview on Sports Illustrated in Sports Illustrated of John Rocker, so that is true. And then you also the, some of your books were on I got I'm going to ask you this but you, you wrote books about, with on Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, <clears throat> you think these guys deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Um I never did because I am very anti-cheating.
1: I, like, I think I, I had a general rule in my life, which is- Well, you're on the
0: wrong podcast. Well,
1: that's okay. I'll give you- I'll give <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Oh, I'll give you my argument, but then I'll tell you why I changed it a little. My argument was, um, see, people would say about Bonds, well, he was a hall of famer already. Like, look at what he did in Pittsburgh. Even before he used PDs, he's a hall of famer. And I would always say, all right, if my kid is an A student in class- This is when my kid was in elementary school or whatever, middle school. My kid's a a student in class. And then all of a sudden, halfway through class, my kid is cheating left and right. The teacher doesn't say, well, you were good earlier, so we're going to let you pass. Like, you failed that class because you were caught cheating. But here's, and so I'm not a fan. And also, like, one of my good friends in baseball, there was a catcher, a journeyman catcher named Sal Fasano, who played years and years in the majors. And Sal's a good friend of mine. I know Sal really well. And I know Sal, you never use PEDs. We've had a lot of talks about this, just human to human. And Sal hung on a super long time in minor leagues trying to get to the majors. And he was in his mid to late 30s because his son was born with a heart condition and he needed the major league health insurance. Um, And there were about 10 catchers of Sal Fasano's ilk, sort of, you know, struggling to fight on backup catchers, a little pop, kind of slow, who used PEDs. It came out in the Mitchell report, who cheated to, to last. And Sal Fasano refused to because he just thought it was wrong. It, it, it's very clear. steroids are legal in the United States of America without a proper prescription. And he didn't use them. And these guys did. And that really struck a nerve in me. Like, that is not fair. That's not right. Here's why I've changed it a little is when David Ortiz got in last year, um, I covered some David Ortiz. He was a lovely guy. Like a lovely guy. He was delightful with the writers. But we all know he cheated. And once you let people in because they're nice to you, well, that's it. Then you have to let everyone in. That Like, that's not a standard. That can't be a standard that he was nice to us and Barry Bonds was a jerk to us or Clemens was a jerk to us. So if you're going to let David Ortiz in, I think you do have to let Bonds in. I think you have to let Clemens in. I actually think you probably have to let go in. You let McGuire in and you let Sosa in. Like, you, and Palmero, certainly. So they did that to themselves. So there's no argument anymore for me to make.
0: All right. Why did you decide to write a book on Bo Jackson?
1: Uh, favorite athlete when I was growing up. I'm a kid from New York. I'm 50. So when Bo Jackson came along at Auburn, you know, I was a boy. I was, the imagination was really captured. Bo Jackson running over people, Bo Jackson hitting home runs that traveled 600 feet, everything about him, poster on my wall. And I'm very nostalgic. As I said, Bad News Bears, J.R. Richard, very nostalgic. So the idea of writing about someone who I loved as a kid. What I didn't know that much about was very intriguing to me so that is why i did bo jackson
2: so i read that you did over 700 interviews for this book one how long did that take and two how do you go about finding 700 people to interview to get your information for this book
1: it takes a long time it was about two and a half year project overall and um you know really what it is is um like the first thing i do when i decide i'm working on a book is i'll go to ebay and i will order um. just as an example, all the Auburn football media guides when Bo was there. So there are four media guides for the four years Bo was there. And I'll make a file for every single person and all those media guides. And then I'll reach out to every single person, in all those media guides. Same thing with baseball and Bo, same thing with track and Bo. Then you'll go and get his high school yearbook. And you'll go through every person in the high school and you start trying to find these people. And then you go through the Royals and the Raiders and the White Sox and the Angels, you know, and you just, it becomes this obsessive thing where you don't just want to talk you don't just want to talk to sort of, I don't know, you know, uh, George Brett and Frank White. You want to talk to the guy who played four games with the Royals, but might have one really unique memory. You want to talk to minor league teammates. You just want to talk to everyone. So I get really hardcore into it.
0: Did it's you get to talk to Bo Jackson?
1: I only talked about once. So basically when I first started working on the book, I sent a couple of my other books and a letter to Bo. And maybe a week later I heard that ba- he called me. We spoke for about a half hour, and he was very nice, and he said, um, basically, you know, I don't have a problem with you writing a book, but I get asked to do these things all the time. I'm not really interested. I was like, that's fine, and I got really lucky, actually. He had a book come out in 1990 called Bo Knows Bo. It was his autobiography, and he wrote it with a great writer named Dick Schaap, uh, who has since passed away, and before Dick Schapp died, he donated all his Bo Jackson notes, all his audio tapes, everything from those sessions to the Auburn University Library, so, and most of it had never been used, not even in the book. So it was like 500 pages and hours and hours of audio tapes of first person interviews with Bo Jackson that had never before been heard. So that was very helpful for me.
2: Didn't Dick Shap like Jeremy Schaap's dad, right? The guy from ESPN? Correct. Same guy? Correct. Um, so I'm not a book writer. I don't think I could ever do it, but I know that if I wanted to write a book on Bo Jackson, I'd probably never meet him. Do you feel like you could write a book on somebody without ever really meeting him?
1: Well, I have met Bo Jackson before, um, but I do, actually. I th- The thing is, like, a big part of it all is how he impacted others. You know, so just as an example, he spent a year in Memphis with the Memphis Chicks when he played minor league baseball. He was drafted in 86 by the Royals, was assigned to A Memphis. And I probably interviewed 25, 30 teammates, coaches, ball boys, back girls, uh, administrators with the team. And I'm not saying a biography is what Bo Jackson is literally thinking in his head, because I don't know what you're thinking. You don't know what I'm thinking. We don't know that. But I can tell you how someone acted, how people responded to him, how he impacted people, what he did to a city, what he did to a town, what he did to a clubhouse. So um, the goal isn't to tell you what Bo Jackson was
0: thinking. The goal really is to tell you what Bo Jackson was like and how he impacted folks. It's a good answer. Have you ever upset anyone? With stuff you wrote in your book. And you mentioned John Rocker. He wasn't so happy with that story. <laughs> um, he
1: threatened to beat me up. I sure man, all the time. Like that's the thing about this business is um basically there are two choices what you want to do in life when you're when you're a writer, especially when you write books about when you write biographies. You can be the guy who writes a love letter. Like Roger Clemens is a perfect example. Roger Clemens did not like my book. And I could have written a I could have written a book the rocket legend of legends, you know, and it could have been great stories about him throwing heat and striking out 20 Seattle Mariners and blah, blah, blah. And that would have been totally fine. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Sports has a place for that, but it's not what I want to do. Like, I want to tell true stories. I want to tell accurate stories. I want to like Roger Clemens, just as an example, he had a brother, Roger grew up in Ohio mainly and then moved to Texas and he had an older brother, Randy, who was his hero. Uh, And Randy got really into drugs became a drug addict and his ran his his wife so Roger Clemens's sister-in-law um wound up getting murdered by drug dealers now that is a fascinating part of someone's life like just fascinating it was a fascinating part of Roger Clemens life because this was his hero became a drug addict would Roger Clemens prefer that not be written about I mean probably but I always make the argument with books with biographies like If the only person allowed to write a Donald Trump book is Donald Trump, you're not gonna get the truth. If the only person allowed to write a Barack Obama book is Barack Obama, you're not gonna get the truth. Like we all wanna tell our side, our gilded stories of how great we are and how amazing we are. And I think there's something to be said for hearing a full story. And there's nothing wrong with flaws. Like flaws make us who we are. When Bo Jackson was a little kid, he had a severe stutter, he grew up in abject poverty, he wore his older sister's shoes to school, on and on and on. Learning that to me is inspiring. It shows all he's overcome and what he what he wound up doing. So I kind of enjoy this approach to biography, but it does piss people off.
2: <laughs> so speaking yeah. of gilded stories, I mean, obviously, you could, you could hype up Bo, or you could tell a story where you know you overcame, um, whether it be something in the book or something that you just learned that didn't make it to the book. What would you consider to be your favorite Bo Jackson story?
1: I mean, there are a ton, like a ton, a ton. I would say. Um, one of them is his junior year. So there's a lot of mythology about Bo, a lot of stories that just sound ridiculous about his strength, about his speed. And most of them are actually true. And there was this one, he played, uh, he played baseball at Auburn. His junior year, they played the first ever night game at the University of Georgia. So Georgia had wanted a night baseball for years. They finally got lights installed at Foley Field. And the first night game ever at Georgia is Auburn, our tribal Auburn. And Bo's playing right field, and the fans are just heckling him nonstop, like nonstop. And his first at bat, he flies out, and the fans of Georgia just give it to him, like give it to him hard. There are fans behind the right field fence, ripping him, mocking him, name anyway. His second at bat, Bo hits a ball that hits the lights, like literally slams into the lights and falls to the grass. And the whole place just goes quiet, like dead quiet. He jogs back out to play right field, and the same fans who are berating him stand up and start bowing, like bowing in unison, like we are not worthy of your presence. This was also 39 days before The Natural came out, the movie where Roy Hobbs hits the lights. So Bo Jackson literally hit the lights before Roy Hobbs. His next two at-bats, he homers, he homers again. In his last at-bat, he doubles, and the fans boo him because they're disappointed by just a double for Bo Jackson.
2: Unreal.
0: He's was the I'm sure that I guess that may have been something you learned, but was is there anything that you found out that you didn't know that is kind of interesting? I mean, a million different things. The guy, oh, Yeah, I'm pretty sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I mean, he's, I don't, that's a fair question. He, um, he athletically, he was just a freak times a thousand. All right. Like I always say, like right now in the NFL, Tyreek Hill is probably the fastest player in the NFL and he's preposterously fast. And you see him and you just think, this guy is fast. Bo Jackson ran a 41340 at Auburn. Which is faster than Tyreek Hill has ever touched. And Bo Jackson outweighed him by 30 pounds. Then he goes to the Raiders in the NFL and they they clock him in pads on grass and he runs a 419. The coach of the Raiders is Tom Flores. He doesn't believe it. He has Bo run it again. He runs it a 417. His first major league at bat. This is amazing. His first major league at bat September 2nd, 1986. Tay, by the way, is Bo Jackson's 60th birthday. I just want to say he um his first major league at bat. He's with the Royals. They're playing. Steve Carlton is pitching for the White Sox at the time. Steve Carlton had 321 wins, future Hall of Famer. Uh, on the seventh pitch of the at bat, Bo hits a ground ball to second. Okay, to second. Tim Hewlett fields it. Steve Carlton has to rush to the bag. Bo beats it out easily. Behind the home plate, behind home plate are a bunch of scouts, including Art Stewart, the Royals' chief of scouting, and he clocks it. And he looks at the scout next to him. and He said, I missed that. What'd you get? And the scout says, no, I missed it too. And the other guy says, I missed it. (laughs) And uh, Art Stewart says, well, I got a three, six. The guy goes, I got a three, six. He's like, I got a three, six. It was the second fastest timing ever from home to first by a right-handed hitter in major league history. Um, The only faster was Mickey Mantle, but that was with I, there's no way Mickey Mantle was faster than Bo Jackson. Like it was probably with a clock that went tick, 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 as opposed to digital. (laughs) And the crazy thing is after the game, Bo Jackson admitted he had never heard of Steve Carlton. Like, didn't even know who he was. He was just like the accidental tourist playing Major League Baseball. It's really cool. (laughs) So,
2: I really, I really, I mean, I think I know your answer, or at least I kind of know it. But the question that, you know, a lot of people ask and a lot of people wonder, obviously, if Bo never played football, Bo never gets hurt.
3: Hmm.
2: you think he's a Hall of Famer? And if so, you know, what kind of numbers? I mean, do you think he would have been, like, first ballot? Do you think it would have? I mean, because... A lot of it was like freak athleticism, right? Does that something that he could have maintained for a long period of time?
1: I think um, if he had devoted himself fully to baseball, that's the big if, right? Like if he devoted himself fully to baseball, people say Mickey Mantle, Mike Trout, Roberto Clemente, like that kind of ability, that kind of talent, um, that gift. The thing is, he never really knew how to play baseball, as weird as that sounds. Like I talked to George Brett about him. And when he came to the Royals, he just didn't have much baseball experience. And like his outfield routes were crude. Running the bases was awkward. He didn't really know how to move runners over. He once um, pitcher balked and he, this is in a major league game. He literally didn't know what it was. Like he did not know what the balk was. So he was really raw. But I think, and also like he never had the benefit of going to the Winter League and the Dominican to fine tune his skills, going to instructional ball. Like he didn't have any of that. So I think if he did, he could be as great as anyone we've seen, but he
0: just he just didn't have it. He never even really played a full season, right, because he had to play football?
1: Well, no, he always played a baseball full season. He would, In his contract, what it was, was once baseball ended. Oh, then he played up, football. He got up to two weeks, so he usually would join the Raiders at the 11th game or 10th game. Oh, okay. Hmm.
0: All right, so I know there's like Deion Sanders and other. Is there any other... Two sport athlete that you would compare to him, or like how how would you rank him? How much more awesome is Bo Jackson than Deion Sanders? I think he's the greatest athlete who's
1: ever lived. Like I think he's the greatest athlete who ever walked the planet. I'll tell you, this is my pitch on Bo Jackson being uh, insane. He um he went to McAdory High School in Alabama. He won back to back state decathlon championships his junior and senior year. His senior year, he did it without ever taking off his sweatpants. Uh, he sprained his ankle midway through, still was far enough ahead that he didn't have to run the 1500, the last event, which he hated. He hated the 1500. The next day, the baseball team needed someone to pitch a playoff game. He hadn't pitched all year. He started, he struck out 13. In his high school career, he stole 90 of 91 bases. Um, he was caught one time by a guy named Sam Doss, a catcher at Jess Lanier High. And uh, the next step bat, he homered, crossed home plate, winked at Sam Doss. Um, you know, he, he won the... He set a national record with for uh, home runs in a single season by a high school player. He had 20 and 25 games. He missed seven games for track. So, like, you know, he won the Heisman Trophy. He was drafted in the second round by the New York Yankees coming out of high school. Would have been the number one pick overall, but they didn't know if he would sign. Was the number one pick in the NFL draft by the Buccaneers. Could have been an Olympics track and field athlete without question. Maybe Jim Thorpe you could put in the conversation. Dion is in the conversation. Tamit Bo is just head and shoulders the best.
2: So it sounds like this book was like a a labor of love. Like you wrote itself, like you had no problem getting this on paper.
1: I loved it. it, The problem is like, you can't use every story because there's so many. I'd have to be a 10,000 page book, but it was a joy for me. I love, I'm also, I'm probably like you guys. I mean, there's something about digging into athletes and teams who you loved when you were a kid. That is not that all dissimilar to like, Maybe you were growing up and you loved Hall and & and you hear "Man-Eater" on the radio and you get a feeling of being at a high school dance or you're in the kitchen and someone is cooking spaghetti sauce and it reminds you of being in your grandma's apartment when you were six and smelling, like that's what it is to research Bo Jackson for me. It's It shoots me back in time to 15 years old, Mayo packed New York, loving Bo Jackson. So it was really a joy. It was like a love letter.
2: So with that being said, uh, Is there another labor of love in your future? Another book that you're thinking about, you know, something else that you're very passionate about, or is it going to be something, a story you want to tell? Any plans like that? I'm not sure
1: right now. If you have any ideas, the Cesar Cedeno story, the uh, Dickie Thon story, I mean, you give me a good Astro. I'm happy to, uh, happy to write. You know, it's funny. I've had a lot of people, don't hate me for saying this, who wanted me to write about the Astros, you know, cheating scandal. And I was like, ugh, I just don't think that'd be fun. Like I want to at least enjoy myself in two years of writing about that. I don't think it would be fun, but if you have any good ideas, I'm all ears.
2: I don't know if it could be a book, but obviously the Altuve coming. I was going to say that. that. That's the one that I feel like needs to be told. Like the Her. fact that they told him to go away, he was too small, came back, you know, that, that's yeah, the story. I,
1: so the one thing I'll say about guys like that, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you, even remotely, but um, how old is Jose Altuve? Is he like, is he, is he even 30 yet? Is Jose oh Yeah. It's 32. I feel like I like writing about athletes once they've lived a fuller life beyond sports, because I actually think, I think the most fascinating part of an athlete's existence is the end is dealing with your sports mortality of having to see, I can't really do this anymore. Um, And he's not there yet. He's obviously still an excellent player. So I need more time before I tackle out too big, but I'll add it to the mental list, but I'm not paying you 10%. Just saying that
2: there, I understand.
0: Did you write a book on Brett Favre? Because he, it you did. had to add some chapters to that. Ugh. <laughs> what a freaking, I mean, what a mess, man.
1: No kidding. I mean, here's what I always say about Favre. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the book. His family's great. Like, there are a lot of people in that experience who I really came to love, including his mom, Benita, who's just the best. But, like, you're from Mississippi. Mississippi is a dirt poor, dirt poor, dirt poor, impoverished state in America. It's a poor state in America. You decide it would be a good idea to divert welfare money. I mean, people need that money. Like, that money is not a joke. People need to build a volleyball arena at your alma mater because your daughter plays volleyball at Southern Miss. It's so disturbing. Like, it's just generally disturbing. It's inhumane. And uh, so I have a real problem with that. I really do. Which book was your favorite one to write? I wrote a book about... um, a league called the USFL, which is the United States Football League. And uh, Donald Trump, the New Jersey Generals, and like Herschel Walker, a lot of guys, Jim Kelly, Houston Gamblers were a team, Houston Gamblers with Steve, with, uh, Jim Kelly were a big team in the run and shoot. And I always wanted to write it. I loved that league as a kid. It captured my imagination times a thousand. Everyone told me not to write it. It's not going to sell. Nobody cares. I was like, I don't care. I love this book. I love this subject. And I wound up making the New York Times list and is probably the most fun I've ever had writing a book. So I gotta go USFL. Roger Clemens, my least enjoyable.
2: <laughs> I gotta know why, other than you know, maybe interaction with them, people around him. Can I curse?
1: Can I curse on your podcast? Yeah, go ahead.
2: Because <laughs> he's a dickhead.
1: Like he's just not <laughs> he's an incurious. I'm not saying he's not a great all-time player. I'm not saying that. He's just kind of a jerk. Like, and and this is what I always say. Like, like I wrote Barry, I wrote a biography of Barry Bonds. And Barry Bonds is by no means a nice human being, at least during his playing career. But at least he was kind of curious about things in the world. And like I would say, Roger Clemens, if you could break open, crack open his head and do a reading, a literal reading of his brain, this is what it would say. It would say, food, baseball, sleep, breasts, food, baseball, (laughs) sleep, breasts. And that's at most four chapters in a book. That's not a 20 chapter book. So I I did not enjoy that experience all too much.
0: So my memories of Bo Jackson is one, one of them is probably everybody. And I just saw it today, actually, when he broke the bat over his knee. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many other people can do that. That looks like an amazing feat. And he had that, he had like some amazing catch over the wall. Oh, he ran up the wall. He he ran up the wall, threw somebody out. I mean, such amazing plays. But here's what I remember the most about Bo Jackson. And I don't know. I'm 51. Okay. You're pretty close to my age, I think.
1: I'm just a boy of 50
0: okay you're just a boy <laughs> so there's no way that you weren't the raiders when you play tech mobile true
1: <laughs> that's true
0: they were code uh, Marcus wait, Allen story, and I, Bo Jackson in the backfield you just run all over everybody
1: but it wasn't even Marcus Allen it was Bo Jackson so um he's a legend he's actually a legend in tech mobile there's you know there's I have a shirt tech mobile it's a shirt um <laughs> the guys who made that it was a Japan-based Japanese uh, Japanese company based in Japan obviously and um They didn't have that much football knowledge because this is way back in the the book game came out in 91. So this is um, way back when, you know, before you could just see a ton of NFL games in Japan. So they had very little access, but they were able to see video of Bo Jackson running over people. So in the game, the designers gave him the maximum speed you could give someone was a 75. He was a 75. Jerry Rice was the next fastest at 69. So you couldn't catch him like you actually couldn't catch bo jackson in Tech Mobile. he was and people would play and they'd say like all right we'll play but you can't be the raiders like, <laughs> it's not fair you can't be the raiders not fair you can be the jets and the oilers but you can't be the raiders oh yeah so yeah he's an all-time video game legend
0: got anything else dom
2: no bo- no bo sir, jackson's
0: I'm... you know what do you remember about bo jackson
2: <laughs> uh the commercials i mean he was just the oh, icon yeah, yeah and 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 obviously the player, too. but I mean, that was I was really young at that at that time. I'm a little younger than you guys. But I mean, he was just a freak. I mean, it's just like you didn't think those two players, but I thought the same thing about Dion. anybody that tried to play two sports, it just didn't make any sense to me. Like who's got the ability to to do put in enough work to be good at both sports and for Dion and Bo to do it? It was amazing, well, I also
1: think like, Like, just your body gets beaten down, you know, and people need a rest, and you could be the greatest athlete in the world, but you still need to rest yourself. So I think the idea of taking, I mean, Bo would leave baseball, go to football, you know, barely practice and run for 100 yards. Like, he was just a different kind of, he was, he was just, we've never seen an athlete like Bo Jackson. Never, ever, ever, ever.
0: I could almost swear that I was watching the game when he got hurt, but it could have been that I've seen it so many times that I just think that in my head.
1: It was a playoff game, so it was on national TV.
0: So and I, I probably did see it then, because I
1: remember it. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. He, uh, he was going – so there was a linebacker for Kevin Walker with the Bengals, and Bo was moving so fast forward that the basically the hip just came out of the socket. And uh, he suffered something called a vascular necrosis, which is basically your blood supply is cut off to your hip, and the bones begin to die. And it was the next day um, he went for a scan – and the doctor said, Bo, do you see all that black? And Bo goes, yeah. He goes, that's your blood pooling in your hip. And, um, you know, he he ended up having a hip replacement. One of the most amazing things about Bo Jackson, he played two full major league seasons on an artificial hip. And it wasn't a modern artificial hip. It was a modern, it was artificial hip from 1991, which means, or 93. It was basically a plastic hip with metal bolts. And if you move too much, the hip would rub against the bolts. And plastic shards would come off in your body. He played two full major league seasons with an artificial hip. It's insane.
0: Greatest athlete ever. I agree. Cut short in his prime. (laughs) So that was just something he had. It wasn't an injury or the injury caused that.
1: No, the injury caused that. The injury against the Bengals caused the hip to be dislodged. and, And then he had to have surgery and miss a lot of time. It's a bummer.
2: It's crazy that he went in a whole day before somebody told him what was going on. Literally. Just it was like, poorly handled.
1: It was very poorly. He went out to dinner with his wife that night. He's like in the locker room talking with the guys. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. Terrible.
0: Is there so anything time. else you want to add? Uh, the it's book. the
1: finest book ever written ever by anyone. It's better than the Bible. It's the Bible. Of... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm happy to talk. I appreciate you guys having me on. Seriously. Live from my bed.
0: All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on and we appreciate everyone out there tuning in this episode of Astros Baseball and we will see you next time.